0: All right, so welcome everyone. This is Mark Kapsinski from uh, Guden and this is part of our executive interview series. And today I have my new good fellow Bostonian friend Marco from IT Strategies uh, here to chat with us today about some of the interesting trends and things happening in the DTG space that he's been noticing. So Marco, welcome and uh, welcome for uh, joining us today.
1: Thank you, Mark. Glad to be here on this nice sunny day.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're having good weather back here. So I'm I'm jealous. So. Well, Marco, can you tell us a little bit about your company and your role? And uh, then we'll kind of dive into the Q&A and uh, take it from there.
1: Yep, I'm uh, with a company called IT Stra- Strategies. The name is totally meaningless because we started the company before the word IT meant anything. It was supposed to be imaging technology, or, and then we thought, you know, by the time we retire, print will be gone. So we can't name it that. So we just used the words IT and it sort of stuck. So, anyway, for better or worse, we're with with that name. Um, So our company helps mainly equipment manufacturers. So think of somebody like a Cornette or an Epson or Canon or HP or whoever develop their next generation of digital printers. So we don't focus on home and office products, but we focus mainly on anything that is not in that space. So DTG, uh, apparel manufacturing, package printing, uh, ceramics printing, 3D printing, uh, direct mail printing. I mean, the list goes on and on. They're just tens and tens of of these niche applications. So our customers, again, are these manufacturers. we interview hundreds of commercial printers, uh, textile converters, you name it, annually uh, across the world, and, and that's one of the reasons why I'm here to, you know, help you or, or at least give you some in- input yeah. because you know we'd love to hear back from everybody else.
0: Awesome. Well, it was so great to, to meet you. I, I thought your presentations, as I said, uh, uh, recently that I I personally watched, I recommended to our team. I mean, just, I think you have some fabulous insights. I'm excited to get into that. So, um, so let's just quickly just cover off on, so what's the real problem that you're trying to solve with your business? Is it, Uh, that these manufacturers, these hardware manufacturers, aren't seeing the trends or aren't sure where they should be going? Like, how would you frame the problem of what you're trying to solve for with them? Uh, So I guess the simplest way of expressing it it is we
1: are the expert virtual employee. Or or maybe a better way of saying it is we're sort of like at a very high level. The, the, you know, board of director member, who's going to challenge them? You know, because what often happens is somebody's got this great engineering idea. I'm going to be able to print on these T-shirts with silver ink, right? And it's going to be great. And and then we'll come back and say, well, you know, that sounds very nice. But A, you know, it's a heavy metal. It's hard to keep in suspension. So are you sure you're really going to be able to achieve the reliability that these customers need? And then more critically, you know, what percentage T-shirts actually need silver? So let's backwards calculate that out. Let's look at, you know, the utilization rate. Let's look at what the maintenance implications are uh, of people not using it often enough. Yeah. And then let, let us size what we think the total opportunity is. Because if we come back and say, okay, you can only sell five printers, I mean, hypothetically, right? But you want to invest $5 million into this product development cycle, probably not a good return on investment.
0: Probably and, not.
1: And, you know... <laughs> those are the things that we really do best it is to help those companies get an outside perspective on what's truly the opportunity right and what's the technical hurdle in order to get there
0: got it that's interesting so how do you how do you frame i guess the work that you do because you mentioned you talk to so many different people are you doing that just through interviews or surveys or how are you kind of getting a read on the market that way so so uh, Unlike
1: consumer research, right, where you want to do email surveys and get huge response rates, we're typically involved in future product design, something that doesn't Mm. exist. And so you can't do hundreds of email surveys to ask somebody about something that they've never seen, right? So our approach tends to be more qualitative in nature, where we will go out and we will interview 10, 20, 30, however many users, that seems like a reasonable number. Yeah. To, to do in-depth interviews. Now, we do most of these, by the way, double-blind, meaning I don't reveal who we're doing this for, but we don't reveal who you are. Because right. that way, you know, you're not at risk of somebody knocking on your door a day later saying, ah, you know, your answer was heard, wrong. And we heard, you, want, uh, yeah.
0: heard right? you
1: wanted a new printer. <laughs> right, exactly. And so we want to avoid that at all costs because we really want to get open-ended, honest responses. And one of the things you'll learn is over time, that there's a rapidly diminishing return uh, on differences in responses. Hmm. And so the general rule of thumb, at least for us, is once you get beyond seven really good interviews, you're not gonna learn a lot more. They're all so, the
0: same after that.
1: Right. You know, And it's a hard thing to explain to a customer because they always want 50 interviews or 100. Right. And, and Talk you, to more people. <laughs> we're happy to do it, but yeah. you're wasting your time and your money, right. right? So we'd rather do seven really good ones yeah. And then figure out whether or not this market is truly viable. And if it does look like it's viable, we can follow up to do some other ones.
0: Got it. So um, maybe you could kind of share two or three of the interesting trends that you're seeing uh, popping up. Uh, as you know, a lot of our audience uh, is uh, merchants that are, are using DTG techniques uh, that are powered through the Guten network of manufacturers and production folks that we work with. So be really curious, what are you know maybe two or three trends that you're seeing that have come out of this research?
1: Right, so I, I tend to be optimistic on things but conservative, right? So on I the conservative <laughs> side, um, I would say, okay, look, you know, we're heavily dependent upon events, right? And, and school and all these other things yeah, for yeah. our market. And, and clearly that's taken a hit. On the other side of the house, one of the things that we're seeing is, is that COVID has really accelerated the need to digitize the process. And, and I'm not just talking about printing, right? But historically, the t-shirt business was very much dependent upon screen printers. And these screen printers were, for lack of a better word, the good old boys, right? That they probably started in college, made it into a business. And they're awesome members of society because they support all the local charities, their restaurants, right? And they're the guy or the woman, right? Where you go to. What's happened is during COVID, nobody wants to talk to you, right? Oh, I don't want to be near you. Yeah, we'll do a Zoom call, but I'm not going to be near you. And right. so that, that relationship has started to fray a little bit, right? And, and it's really hard for these guys because many of them never became very digital, right? So right. and I look at it as a, as a very digital platform, right? Yep. You you remove all the human touch points, you That's right. streamline it. Um, and what we're finding is is that on the consumer side, maybe not consumer, but but the people who buy these t-shirts, like a school yeah. district, one of the things they're finding is, is that You know, I can't go to Joe anymore to get my t-shirts right now. But what I really could do is I could go to a platform where I could get all my parents to order a t-shirt. They put in their credit card information, right? So I'm not at risk of buying too many shirts, right? right. And being stuck with the inventory. And and they drop ship right to their address so I don't have to deal with pickups, right? And and missing people. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, since I'm not, taking any inventory risk right just send me a check of the profits at the end of the month please. that's right and, that's great, and so right? the business model is changing incredibly fast all of a sudden and, mm-hmm. and i don't think it would have happened as quickly without covid
0: so yeah. we I mean, definitely are, have noticed um that even in like you know, the more mainstream, like, fashion apparel industry, you know, as those brands are trying to do, like, collaboration seems to be the hot trend, where it's like, oh, you and I will get together and come up with a design, you know, this print-on-demand DTG world just is so easy for them to try out all those designs, like you said, without having to produce all this inventory in advance and see what happens. It's it's removed all the financial risk,
1: right? So if you're Disney and you want to license more characters right you can Mm always want a very sort of safe environment right from their perspective and and, you know the other thing that's so different these days is that you know social media has been around for a while but during COVID, the 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 intensity right of the amount of time people spending on social media i think is skyrocketing what happens is you get these viral things that just set things on fire overnight I don't know if you remember. it was the guy with the uh, cranberry bottle on a skateboard. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. and that thing went viral, and That's you know, crazy overnight. The next day, there's probably you know 20 t-shirt designers making a, a picture of that guy on a skateboard right. and selling it online, and it's like, wow, where did all that volume come from? Right. And, and so the intensity of the ups and downs in this market are, are going to get more intense. You know, I suppose it's like our weather, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? There's more intense peaks and valleys and things. And <laughs> you got to be able to mitigate those, right? That's you right. can't take that financial risk. And that's why a entire digital end-to-end workflow yeah. is so valuable. Yeah.
0: So uh, maybe one more question around this is around, so how do you see, I guess, the manufacturing techniques evolving, changing, Because, you know, I I think with DTG, a lot of people often, you know, are concerned about quality and consistency of that quality. So how do you see new technologies playing in there or new printing techniques playing in there to help solve for some of that and sort of take that issue off the table as well?
1: So you've got a lot of different moving parts in that term quality, right? Yeah. So, So the way we define quality is very simple. It's either sellable or it's not sellable. Right. <laughs> and anything in between, doesn't matter, right? Yes. So um, the problem that you have in, in our world, right, of, of T-shirts is there's a lot of artisanal sort of steps in that process. Right. Now, digital printing has removed a lot of those to, to a degree, right? Because yeah. you're no longer having to depend on the guy who understands color management and, and proofing yeah. and the likes. Um, but of course, there's still challenges, particularly relating to white ink, even though yeah. we've come a long way, uh, you know, it's very difficult to get truly, you know, uh, alpine white, if you will, uh yeah. opacity out of digital brand. Right. And, and so we've come a long way. There's still some steps to go forward, but I would say if I look at other markets other than the ETG, the, the yeah. conversation of quality is actually fading because hmm. you know we're so consistent. We may not be as beautiful or as vibrant as certain things, yeah. but digital is so consistent from from job to job to job that I think many people are far more interested in making sure it's consistent that, than necessarily having the most beautiful quality. Now, of course, there's niches, right? Sure, Where you sure. do want the yeah. most beautiful quality. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about a t-shirt, right? We're, we're not talking about a prom dress. Right. By the way, also only gets worn, I think, at least in my household once. Yeah, you know? um, <laughs> I hear you. But, uh, you know, so it's a quality is all relative.
0: Got it. Can you also just, uh, you know, because I've been fascinated with this, I learned it through you. But can you talk a little bit about the hybrid uh, DTG process as well? Because uh, that seems like you were predicting that that's on the uptick in terms of uh, coming to market or or more folks using it.
1: Yes. So so first of all, hybrid DTG, basically you're marrying rotary screen plus inkjet. Mm-hmm. And, and the benefit behind that is you get the productivity of screen, you get the white inks of screen, right? right. Uh, you get the special colors and, and embellishment options. Yeah. Plus you get the variability of inkjet, right? Without having to make screens. So that right. way you can get through a lot more production. The the idea is is that if you look at the world of t-shirts today, something like 90 to 95% of all T-shirts are still screen printed. Hmm. Wow. And one of the reasons is, is that, A, there isn't enough inkjet DTG machines out there. And the ones that are out there are frankly still fairly slow, right? Wow. And um, while well, that's growing,
0: yeah, at
1: the end of the day, the volume of rotary screen is just so big that you yeah. couldn't replace it all with digital. Wow. So what you're really looking for is you want to find applications within this market where the versioning, and it has tremendous value right right and, and so the ability to now also expand using screen technology to go after other fabrics so today most DTg is cottons and maybe some polys but yeah most of the it is cottons because the water-based inks tend yeah. to work best on that right water doesn't like oil or plastic so if you want to print on polyester shirts right you could dye sublimation printed but, but that's not a direct process for the most part. Yeah. So in order to expand the potential market for T-shirts, and I'm really expanding that definition to include sportswear,
0: right? Yep.
1: Nike shirts and the yep. likes. Yep. Yep. If you could print directly onto that with DTG,
0: yeah.
1: and, and more particularly a hybrid, so you could put down the white, you could put down a pre-coat where, where that Aqueous inkjet ink will here. Yeah. Then you've got all of a sudden the volume capability to really start shifting a lot of these traditionally printed shirts yeah. onto a digital platform and, and remove that inventory
0: risk. Got it. That's exciting. I mean, and you're saying that uh, it's still, though, in the works for a lot of folks like the machines and so on to do that, right? Are still... there, there,
1: there are several manufacturers oh. who have these machines, right? m has got a version of it, Rock's yeah. got one um and you know dream junction a startup it's got a machine like that yeah uh, and but we're still relatively early at this point uh, but that's where all the excitement is because everybody wants more productivity right give me yeah. more volume give me more speed <laughs> so, yeah. got
0: it well, it's, a, it's definitely an exciting space uh, to watch. I'm so glad that you, you guys are on top of it for us. So I uh, appreciate some of those insights. So maybe, uh, you know, shifting back to your business a little bit, um, what do you want uh, our merchants and our manufacturers to know about you and your business that maybe they don't already know or can't just simply get from your website? So,
1: so selfishly, right, we, we, yeah. we run under the radar, right? So so we're the secret weapon, quote unquote, behind old manufacturers. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we are somewhat visible because of these conferences that we speak at and the yep. likes, but we don't publish things. We don't have a blog. Yeah. Our website's basically a placeholder, right? Yeah. Um, and, and part of the reason is because we only really work with equipment manufacturers. We yeah. don't work with the providers who actually do the printing site. Right. And the simple reason is we're not big enough. We couldn't handle the volume that that would bring and we right. couldn't charge it. So as a business model, we've decided to stay at the very top of that sort of yeah. pyramid, if you will. Yeah. Um, what I would love is, is that, you know, if you have an idea about something you would like to see or, yeah. or just a question about technology, call us or send me an email. I'm happy to answer that. Got uh, it. And in return, what I would ask is when we do our next set of research in DTG, pick yeah. up the phone if I call you and, and you know, Fair give enough. your insight and, and we'll <laughs> fill that into a trend that will ultimately take <laughs> its way into a spec.
0: Well, uh, I think that's terrific. And like, I know even just for and like with our customer base, always understanding like the differences in the techniques. You know, we always get different questions about, you know, how is this being printed versus that? And uh, the more that I think we can demystify what happens in the, you know, broader DTG space or, or print on demand terminology. Um, cause I think everyone thinks it's like, everything's just done one way and it's like your color laser printer at home and magically a shirt comes out, but, uh, there's a lot more to it. And I even know like our operations team always reminds us that, uh, and reminds our customers that, you know, like it's not so much printing that first shirt. It's how, you know, how's that last shirt off the, you know, the second shift coming out, you know?
1: Right. And, and how are you folding that and packaging it and shipping? Right. It? Oh, right.
0: My God. Yeah, I <laughs> can't really automate very easily. That's right. That's right. Well, so it sounds like, uh, you know, one of my questions I always like to ask is how can we help you? So it sounds like if we share some trends and requests with you and just ensure that we pick up your phone call and surveys uh, and interviews, uh, that could be the best way we can help you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that would be great.
0: Terrific. All right. Well, let's shift gears then to uh, my little uh, speed round here. I call it the lightning round for you. So this is a little bit of uh, getting to know you a little bit. So uh, I'm going to start with what was your first job and how old were you?
1: Oh my God. So where do you want to start? I feel like it's been funny, you know, this is my life. Uh, So I suppose technically my first job was washing cars, right? For our neighbors kind of thing. But now my first real job, was working for a company that has since been sold about 10 different times, but I was tracking uh, fax paper imports. That was (laughs) normal paper out of Japan. Very boring, but it gave me an appreciation for data and, and how you could basically make data suit your story, right? Got it.
0: So. Wow, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, and for all the uh, millennials and Gen Zs out there that don't know a fax machine, we'll have to have a separate conversation right. about that later. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, uh, what was what's your favorite restaurant and what city is it in?
1: Well, I, I'm biased, right? So I, I'm from Boston, and, and uh, Love my it. favorite restaurant is actually right a- <laughs> called Aquavit. What uh, is it called? Aquatine. So it's a French Aquatine, And it's a French restaurant. And, and they serve the most amazing steak feet that I've ever oh, had. So, now, you you're
0: well. making me hungry. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm <You> jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, you do speak at conferences and stuff, I know. So is there a particular conference that you miss actually being at in person? And, and if so, which one is that?
1: I, I do. And it, it, it's really something that's near and dear to my heart. It's an event called the Inkjet Summit. Uh, it's, it, it, it's about transaction printing and direct mail and the likes. But yeah. we typically have about three to 500 attendees at a very swanky five-star resort. Nice. And, and it's a three-and-a-half-day event loaded with content. Uh, I've got tons of board members who helped me put this together. And oh, uh, the camaraderie there is absolutely unbelievable. And it's a bit of a head fake in the sense that everybody thinks it's a junket but it's not because, you know, you are are required contractually to attend all these seminars and events. And, and, you know, we start the day at seven and we run it through 10 at night. And at the end of the last day, people are fried, you know, they're just, but, but it's like a condensed version of an MBA, right? In three days in that particular application.
0: Well, it's great that you also do uh, you know have it and it's uh, a limited or a more tight knit group of people than just like yeah you know going to CES where there's 110,000 people it's like you know how you going to get around to stuff yeah all right so uh I, i'm not sure if you use this or not but uh, i've been using it actively but do you use lunch club and uh, usually people who are on lunch club pride themselves by how many meetings have they had so Do you use Lunch Club yet? I have no idea what it is. I'm not even- I'm going to get you hooked up on Lunch Club. (laughs) Like You need Lunch Club in your life. All right. (laughs) Uh, um, uh, The next question I have is sort of similar. I don't know if you use uh, a site called Product Hunt yet, uh, but it's a, uh, a site that you can discover all brand new types of products that are curated, both digital, physical services, and so on. Have you started using Product Hunt yet?
1: No, God, I am such a bad consumer. Oh, you, can, uh, you know, oh, my you, my wife and four kids would probably be all over that. But, <laughs> exactly. But I, I,
0: you know. <laughs> all right, all right. So all right. We'll, we'll get you set up on lunch club and product hunt after this. Uh, all inside. right. All right, um, next question. What's the hardest lesson you've had to learn in business in your career?
1: Wow. So I, I guess most of these things in life come back to humans, right? And so in retrospect, uh, the hardest thing we've had to do is, A, getting rid of people when they're not performing. But but the bigger lesson behind that is, and I've only come to appreciate it as I've gotten older, is I've been way too soft. You know, when you spot a problem, you can't let it fester in the hopes that it gets resolved because sometimes it doesn't. And when it becomes clear, it is not going to get resolved. It's better for both parties to, you know, make an end to it. And yeah. so I guess the the hardest lesson was, I should have gotten rid of some people much sooner, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, not that I don't like people, I love people, I'm very yeah. social, but yeah. uh, you know, it's if it doesn't work for us and it doesn't work for them, you know, yeah. we're, we're not a social service. We're here to yeah. you know
0: run a business. I think uh, I think you bring up a great point because oftentimes in those situations, like you said, both parties aren't happy in the relationship. So right. Yeah. Um, all right. So then kind of then on to the more positive side of that is, uh, what do you think is your most important business accomplishment? What are you most proud of?
1: Oh, my God. I suppose having been in business now for oh, 28 years. Wow. So, that is an accomplishment. Uh, I guess as a small business, that's a pretty good lifetime. That's yeah. you know, it. <laughs> you've, you've outlived money. <laughs> we'll, uh, well, we'll be around for at least another 15 years. So Terrific. Um, God willing.
0: (laughs) All right. Final question. Um, If you could meet one person, they can be dead or alive. uh, Who would that be and why?
1: So maybe this is slightly unusual. It's not a famous person, but my wife's great grandfather started a paper mill back in the 1800s, and apparently he ran a hell of a business, and he was truly a civic character, very involved, you know, back in the heyday
0: of paper mills. Wow. And, where, where, do you know where it was located? Like, yes, was it was. in, in the in, south uh, or
1: something? Or? No, it was in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and the company name is still around. It's been sold, I'm sure, like 20 times over. Yeah. yeah. But he, he yeah. I, I wish I could have a conversation with him as to how he did it,
0: right? Wow. How did he grow it? What grew it? So. That's awesome. Well, even just to have the, uh, you know, how did he have the foresight to even try to start it, right? Yeah. I guess it's all about luck and timing. You know? Yeah. Wouldn't yeah, want to start th- a paper mill now. I'll tell you. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably hard to these days too. <laughs> Especially with some of these big companies that just own the space. So you got to, right. you got you to pick your battles, I think. So. Yeah. Marco. Well, this has been terrific. Thank you so much for taking the time today and we really appreciate it for folks listening out there. This has just uh, been part of our Gooden executive interview series and Marco mm-hmm. IT strategies. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your background with us today. We really appreciate it. And I know we'll probably have you back on again sometime soon just to keep uh, checking in with you on the trends in the industry. So we really Sounds appreciate it. great, Mark. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. You. Thanks. Bye. Bye.